from coast to coast to coast. You're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. first. So line number 12 is the sorting of rigid plastics. They go into the different bunkers on the floor. And then if you look off to the right, you'll see the bales of all the sorted material. So this material has to be sorted. So right now it has no value, but once it goes through all the sorting by machine and by people, then it'll have a value. Back in 2017, Terra Informers took a tour of the Edmonton Waste Management Center. They learned a lot about what happens to Edmontonians' trash once it's picked up from our garbage cans and dumpsters, but not so much about the people who sort and process our waste. This week, we dive into the human story of the Edmonton Waste Management Center with local filmmaker Anthony Gertz. I'm Hannah Cunningham, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news, stories, and ideas. Before we start our episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are situated in Amiskwitzi, Wiskaigan, or so-called Edmonton, on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. This week, our story takes place right here in Amiskwitzi, Wiskagan, and focuses not only on how we treat the land we live on, in terms of garbage and where it's stored, but also on how we treat each other. While you listen to this episode, I encourage you to think about how looking inward to feelings of empathy and making community connections could help us all be better treaty people. Last week, the Terra Informa team watched The Line, a film created by local filmmaker Anthony Gertz. Um, hi, I'm Anthony Gertz. I am a filmmaker, visual artist, and recent graduate of the Gender and Social Justice Program at the University of Alberta. Like the Terra Informa team, Anthony also took a tour of the Edmonton Waste Management Center about eight years ago. That's where the idea for this film was sparked. I was recommended by a close friend to take a tour of the Edmonton Waste Management Center, which at the time was the, kind of the pinnacle of the world in terms of waste management. And uh, that's not overstating it. People were coming from all over the world to study how Edmonton was dealing with waste. And we, you know, on the tour, more marveling at the incredible technology out there. They were just building the waste to biofuel plant. We have this incredible plastics recycler and electronics waste recycler. But in the middle of this tour, the woman who runs the place named Kathy, she's showing us around and we're, you know, of course, impressed by all this amazing technology. But a young man walks towards her and he's in the blue garb, which is their, the waste sorting uh, uniform. And she says, hey, everybody, this is Stacy. He's our new lead hand. And we greet Stacy, and Stacy says, hey. And he seems just a little, a little bit downtrodden. And so Kathy 
pause the pause the tour. We're at this like viewing deck, so we're just kind of looking at the incredible stuff below. She she talks to Stacy aside. Their conversation ends in a hug, and then he goes they go, he goes the other way. She comes back to the tour and, and continues. And so a couple things were flagged in my mind. Then I thought, oh, well, it's cool that 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 she being the boss could just so comfortably talk with her staff about something that's bothering them that they would hug uh and but i was so curious i i said hey kathy what uh what what happened there like what was the deal there and she said oh he stacy's just feeling a bit alienated from his coworkers because he you know used to work alongside them and now he's got to he's got to kind of manage them and that's uh that's been a difficult transition and so then we commenced the tour, but still in my mind, I was thinking that's cool that she would care so much. And then the tour finished and we were getting ready to leave. And Stacy comes back to the tour group and says, he seems in a better mood. He says, hey, um, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to tell you guys why I'll never quit this job. He said, when I came in for an interview, it was the first time that somebody looked at me and didn't see a criminal that saw a man. He said this beautiful thing just off the top of his head, and I, 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 I choked up with tears then, and I thought, okay, there's something, there's something different happening here. The folks who sort Edmonton's household garbage are hired by Kathy's company, Quality One Training and Support. Kathy hires people with barriers to employment, many of whom uh, have criminal records, which, as I'm sure you and your listeners are well aware, that can really hinder someone's job job prospects um, but it also includes other things like a lot of newcomers to Canada work there and it's designed to be a job that kind of kind of gets people on their feet uh, gives some stability some community and then and then people are are invited to to leave to other things so that you know other people can come in and benefit from this job the thing is though people have been there forever because a lot of people just don't want to leave. It's the first time that a lot of people have really felt like they're doing meaningful work. The city of Edmonton contracts out various private companies to work on different aspects of waste management and processing at the Waste Management Centre, including Quality One. I guess I didn't really know that, that there's that many different entities within the waste management of Edmonton. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and that presented its own kind of permission problems, like to even have a shot of the incredible waste to biofuels plant, we had to get permission from that company. To get a shot of the other facilities, you know, we have to get permission from those companies. So yeah, there's there's a lot that that, that goes on in, in each shot that, um, that uh, yeah, it takes a lot of thought and a lot of planning. If the city of Edmonton feels like there is inefficiencies somewhere in the process, they can give the contract to a different company. Each company, quality one included, has to continually prove to the city why they're the best ones for the job. So it makes for a somewhat precarious workplace. You know, there have been companies that have, because of inefficiencies, lost contracts, and then the city has had to find a new company to, to take it up again. So that precarity, is that a word, precariousness, uh, is, is a blessing and a curse. It, it kind of benefits the city, but it also means that people like Kathy have to, every, every, every couple of years, go in and justify um, their existence, essentially, to the city in front of city council. 
but it also, you know, it's a blessing and a curse because it, uh, it makes for a pretty transparent um, process, or ideally it would. And the last time that Kathy had to um, renew her funding from the city of Edmonton, she, she, has, you know, she has to give this kind of speech to city council, and she decided to uh, ask for renewed funding through the use of a story. So she told the story of uh, Veronica, one of the staff out there, who has become a dear friend of Kathy's and who's come from pretty from a pretty rough background to finding this community and just being just just being a, a wonderful contributor to the community. She's a she's a breath of fresh air. She's she lifts everybody's spirits. And so Kathy wrote out Veronica's story with Veronica's permission, of course, as a sort of speech to deliver to city council. She sent it to the city councilors the night before she was to to go in front of them. When she got there in the morning at City Hall, one of the counselors came up to Kathy and said, hey, um, we all read your, your story. Uh, you're good, you're funded. Don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to speak if you don't want to. And she said, okay, great. Well, I won't, uh, I won't, I won't waste any time then. <laughs> The people of Quality One are the focus of the line. When watching it, you very quickly realize that this workplace is different from many others. There is a real sense of community here between the folks who do the very specialized job of sorting our garbage. People are, are so quick and efficient at it. And it's, it's beautiful to see just the, the work, uh, how people work together because they're constantly you know, yelling to their, their coworkers, Oh, we got a gas can coming down the line, or or we got a oversized object, or 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 if they see, you know, if somebody down the line is looking for aerosol cans, for example, and somebody finds it, they'll clear a little space in the conveyor and set the aerosol can um, upright so that it's easy to see for the the next people down the line. There was one. Um, there was one staff member there who had pretty se pretty severe OCD and uh, need, preferred if th things were a certain way and preferred to be working at the same station uh, every day. And Kathy uh, respected this and allowed him to work at the same station, but of course encouraged him to to rotate throughout so that he wouldn't hurt his back. But but allowed him to stay at that station and everybody everybody worked with him in that and uh, <laughs> eventually I, I think because because his back got sore he he is now in the rotation with everybody else and uh, and seems to be and seems to be not bothered by it so that's just another tiny example of the way that Kathy has helped create an environment where she meets people where they're at and and really yeah, just tries to tries to meet each individual person where they're at because, as I said, these barriers to employment for which, which people are hired are, are so diverse and people come there with a whole host of of issues and and you know sometimes behavioral problems and um, it's just it's a real priority for Kathy to to respect where everybody individually is at. And it's, it's a beautiful thing that I think should be, could be 
extended to other workplaces. The line follows several Quality One employees, and they share their experiences with how difficult it can be to find stability after leaving the criminal justice system, as it rarely sets people up for success once they are released from prison. The sense of community and acceptance found within Quality One can be a huge benefit for people who have previously had to deal with barriers to employment. However, that doesn't mean that there isn't hardship. Did you have any idea kind of what you were getting into and like how incredible this sort of sense of community is at the Waste Management Center? With regards to the, to the community, I, I knew that I knew that that's the kind of movie that I wanted to make because I had gotten to know Quality One. I had gotten to know Kathy personally and Stacy and some of the other staff that work there. So I knew going in that there, there was this real vibrant community there. Um, over the course of filming, however, I found that there, there's also a lot of pain. There's also a lot of people who quote unquote fall through the cracks. People who have left the job uh, and, 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 and ended up in shootouts with the police, which, which is a real thing that happens. Uh, people who relapse and end up dead. Uh, people who go back to prison. We, over the course of filming, that happened to us twice, where people that we were filming with, even one guy who we were featuring kind of prominently, went, went back to prison. And, um, and it, the, diff, the difficult thing for Kathy is, is that she's got such a big heart that she takes, she takes these people's lives personally and she takes it home with her, so to speak. So a lot of the staff who used to work there are still in contact with her. Some of them still visit her. It's not just the, the, the staff that she has there now, which number is between 60 and 70. It's also the people who, who used to be there who still um, kind of rely on her for emotional support. And, and, and it goes both ways. I mean, she, she, she has developed really deep friendships, but I see and really saw over the course of filming the toll that that's taken on her. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Terra Informa, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM. We're speaking with filmmaker Anthony Gertz about The Line, a film about Edmonton's garbage and the people who sort it. Let's get back into it. Providing opportunities for employment and a welcoming community for newcomers to Canada, inmates, and those who struggle with addiction is a huge part of why Quality One is so important. But the company and its employees also play a big role in helping us reduce the amount of waste that makes its way into our environment. The sorting and processing of our trash is a hugely important job. Issues of waste management have been around, well, forever. Back in the early 20th century, residents of so-called Edmonton and Strathcona simply tossed their garbage out into yards and back lanes. Some things were sorted out and reused, other organic matters were dealt with in more creative ways. To think that we used to have wild hogs running around Edmonton eating trash that we'd feed slops to, public pigs, 
We had public pigs here until a swine flu hit them, hit their population. Uh, we killed them all, and we no longer have, have public pigs, of course. Even if you've seen footage of garbage dumps or been on a tour of the Edmonton Waste Management Center yourself, the sight of the mountains of waste being brought in by garbage trucks will probably always be kind of jarring. Even to Anthony, who had a familiarity with the Waste Management Center and how it worked before filming started. I was, I was surprised by many things. When I first proposed this documentary to the Department of Women and Gender Studies, I did, I did so, you know, three and a half or four years ago. So I was coming at it from this naive belief that we were still on top of the world in terms of waste management. In 2010, 2011, the Waste Management Center and these sorters at Quality One diverted something like 65 to 70% of our waste from ending up in the landfill which is an astonishing number. I mean, like I said, this is excluding our quite comprehensive recycling programs. This is excluding the, the comprehensive composting program that we had at the time. I was surprised by the fact that we really, we really were nowhere near, not only were we not close to our 90% diversion target by 2018 that was set back when we were on top of the world, we were, we were way less than we were in 2011. So there was, a, there was an audit done of the Waste Management Center in 2017 that found that we were diverting somewhere around 35% of our waste from ending up in the landfill, which is still a sizable chunk. It's a little bit, it's a little over a third, but it's around or below the national average for, for waste management centers. And so we really weren't doing very well. And the population has, of course, continued to grow as it will, I'm sure. Uh, and our garbage production per capita has continued to grow. And garbage is an interesting problem because it's something that just grows and grows and grows and doesn't really go away. It just gets, just leads to a larger pile in the ground. For many of us, the household waste we produce becomes out of sight, out of mind as soon as it leaves our homes and is put out to the curb to be picked up. It's easy to forget about, especially when where the insortable garbage is stored is almost an hour's drive away from the people in the city who produce it. Our waste is trucked 85 kilometers southeast to Beaver Hills, which is, uh, which is pretty, this is a, a bit of a tangent, but Beaver Hills is, uh, yeah, like I said, 85 kilometers southeast of Edmonton, which is pretty wild to think that these massive trucks are taking our garbage first to the waste management center, then all of that that isn't sort of filtered out is then loaded in even larger trucks, trucked up to this massive landfill. And it's, it's dumped at Beaver Hills, which is actually the namesake of Edmonton. Edmonton, um, I can't pronounce the Cree word, but it translates to Beaver Hills House. And Beaver Hills is a, a unique topography. It's, it's, it's a beautiful area of rolling hills that kind of look like beaver's backs. And they're just like these, these beautiful knobby hills. And lots and lots of medicines uh, were grown there uh, traditionally. And then 
annually, a lot of the indigenous people from around this area would congregate. Uh, actually, just I'm looking at it right now, at Rossdale Flats, which was also known as Beaver Hills House. And they would have a, a big gathering with dancing and the trading of lots of medicines. And so now there is some tragedy, some tragedy that in that we ship our, our waste there. I don't know why Beaver Hills being so far was the, the place of choice if there was a landfill there before. Um, but that's, that's, the, uh, that's the case now. A lot of things about this film stick with you, but the visuals are definitely a big one. There are some pretty crazy shots in this film. What was your favorite one or one that was the coolest to shoot? It's a great question and I have not been asked that before. So thank you for that question. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are so many, like, uh, like I, I, one, one thing that I absolutely love about filmmaking is the experimentation of it. Every movie is an experimental film. And there are so many things that we tried that didn't work, of course, but there are so, some things that we tried that, that really worked. The last shot in the film, which is just going along a highway as a garbage truck goes back to the city to collect more garbage. And the drone operator and I, it was so bitterly cold that day. And we, we we spent the entire day filming because, you know, if you have a drone operator, you want to make the most of it, get the most drone footage you can. So most of that drone footage in the movie was shot on one blisteringly cold day. And that was at the end of the day, we got all this stuff at the Waste Management Center. And then I thought, okay, I want to get a garbage truck driving down the highway. And then you kind of pull up and you kind of see the horizon and this could be the credit shot. So we, we, we hung out by the side of the highway watching the the on-ramp for a garbage truck. And he'd have his drones kind of just sitting, hovering there in the sky. We And we waited for so long and these winds were quite whippy and we we waited so long and the cold really drains batteries. And so we had to change the batteries several times and then just kind of hover in the sky and we'd wait. And then I'd say, okay, there's a garbage truck coming. So then he'd start the motion of the drone to kind of match the, the, the truck and then it would pass and then he'd follow it for a while and then he'd rise up and several times it didn't work but on the one that it did work we both felt it and we both knew that the the movement was smooth and we followed the truck for a good amount of time and then we pulled up and it's just like you know when when you get a shot that you know is right and it it works and it's what you're going for it's the there's nothing, there's no better feeling that we were just both on cloud nine. And also it was the last shot of the day, so we could call it a day after we achieved that one. A film like The Line, with its shots of the large, looming piles of garbage and the up-close and personal viewpoints of sorting through the mountains of waste, can make even the most eco-conscious person reflect on the waste that they produce that add to these huge piles of trash. Uh, that's why I chose the to, to show this kind of lifespan of a coffee cup. There's one scene where it shows the lifespan of a coffee cup because that's a piece of garbage that I, I mean, I continue to, to produce coffee cup waste, even though I know better now. I, I don't always take my travel mug with me when I when I go to a cafe and I and these things are not recyclable because they're cardboard that is lined with wax um, 
So that was a that was a piece of trash that I very commonly produced, and one that we a lot of us commonly produce. Some of us don't know that it's not recyclable. And yeah, working on the line, I saw so many things that I thought I threw that away yesterday. That 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 could very well be my thing, and I I felt that making this movie, we had a. Uh, the, the privilege of of showing people their garbage again, which we had the we had the the privilege and the responsibility of showing people again this problem that is kind of kept out of sight and out of mind. I think if people are are faced with the waste that they produce, that maybe this can can nudge them towards more responsible behavior. It has nudged me towards more responsible behavior, even though of course I'm far from perfect, uh, but, but yeah, it, it really did confront me with my own very wasteful practices and it's made me a more conscious consumer and human being, I think. How do you think watching this film now during this pandemic um, will make the audience reflect on the role of our essential workers? Yeah, good question. I think that this pandemic has shown us who our essential workers are, and some of them are the usual suspects, nurses and health support workers and doctors on the front lines, but some of them are surprises, like clerks in grocery stores and people who sort waste. These are very much frontline workers. They are not only helping reduce our ecological footprint, they are having to deal with the waste of a population of people. Luckily, they are, they have, you know, the full PPE, they had N95 masks before that was in our lexicon. They are, you know, they're, they're, they're protected, but they are very much frontline workers. Um, the, the people who collect our garbage every day, they, uh, they weren't furloughed, they, they're, they're needed now more than ever. So I hope, you know, my hopes for this movie are, 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 not, are not new. I hope that we are reminded and encouraged to do the wholesome things that we always should be doing, that appreciating the incredible privilege of privileges that we enjoy, that we have our garbage uh, taken away, that we have access to pretty cheap vegetables, that we have uh, access to pretty cheap heat, that we, that we collectively invest in recycling, that we are most importantly good to each other, that we give each other the time of day, that we give each other the benefit of, of second and third chances, that we respect where people are at um, and that we are as kind and understanding as we can be. I really wanted to say thank you to you, to Kathy, Aaron, Kenny, Shayla, Norman, Stacy, Janet, and everybody else in the film. Um, uh, well, thank you so really much. Amazing. I'll pass it along and thank you so much. That means, that means a lot. If you're interested in watching The Line, 
you can rent it for $3 or buy it for $8 online through Vimeo. We'll post the link on our website, terrainforma.ca. If you can't pay for it, send us an email at terra at cjsr.com and we can provide you with a discount code so you can view it for free. You can also stream the line on Optic TV starting at the end of the month if you have a TELUS internet subscription. I would definitely recommend watching it. That's all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Hannah Cunningham. Thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. You can reach us for comments or questions by sending an email to terra at cjsr.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Thanks for listening and catch you next week right here on Terra Informa. Forma.